Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. It is great to have you back for another episode. Today, you're going to be getting so much value from our special guest today. His name is Chris D.T. Gordon. Welcome, Chris, to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well, Nelia. How are you today? I'm great. I'm so happy to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate being here. Absolutely. Um, So Chris is an online special education teacher who wants to use his story to help others lead positive lives through gratitude. So Chris is going to tell us and he's going to open up to us about his story and what he's all about and what it is he would like you, the audience, to to know about him. So Chris, would you like to start from the beginning? Certainly. Well, I have to say that being an online teacher is somewhat of a fad now. Uh, I've seen a lot of people are starting to pick it up uh, out of necessity, of course, uh, due to the pandemic. But that's not exactly why I'm here. Uh, Five years ago, in March 2015, I scratched my right hand on my garage wall. And I was flying my younger son, Seth, to the garage to help my wife get our kids off to daycare and school. She is also a teacher, but it teaches here in the traditional high school here in town in New Ulm, Minnesota. And she would drop off my older son, Josh, or our older son, Josh, uh, to kindergarten, and the twins, Seth and Anna, to daycare. Well, uh, after I uh, scratched my hand, I looked at it, I didn't see blood pouring out of me, so I didn't think too much of it. I put placed him in his car seat. I said goodbye to everyone, and then I went back inside to wash off my wound and clean it as I usually did, and to start my day. Three days later, I woke up with a red lacrosse ball-sized bump on my right elbow. I drove to the walk-in clinic I, under my own power, And the doctor at that time had told me that it might have been bursitis, but to keep an eye on it and to see what would happen and if anything did happen to contact them. Well, 10 hours later, my arm had ballooned to triple the size of my left arm. To use a comic book analogy, my left arm was Bruce Banner. My right arm was the Hulk. I was basically the Hulk in the transformation. Uh, this was a little alarming. So my wife drove me to back to the hospital, to the emergency room. They admitted me and started uh, taking my blood pressure. 
that's when things really got weird. I had gone septic and they couldn't get a blood pressure reading on me. Uh, to make it, to put it simply, uh, sepsis is an overreaction that the body takes when there is an infection. It's like if you ask your child to pick up a toy off the floor and the child burns the house down. Yes. Um, so they uh, kept me overnight while still trying to uh, keep my blood pressure, try to get a blood pressure reading and keep me alive. In the morning, the attending doctor at that time came up to my gurney and told me that there was nothing they could do for me. This was beyond them. And then she asked me, where do I want to go? Well, I told her the Mayo Clinic. And there are, there are two reasons for that. First of all, it's the Mayo Clinic. If you recognize that name at all, you know why I said it. It's world renowned. Secondly, my in-laws live in Rochester, where the, where the Mayo Clinic resides. In fact, my father-in-law at the time was a chaplain there. So I knew that my family, my wife and my kids would have a place to stay for the, I was sure, two or three days that this would take to get this problem resolved, right? Mm. <laughs> Fingers crossed, but. Spoiler alert, it was longer. Uh, so the uh, hospital flew me uh, or to, uh, drove me in, am in an ambulance to the municipal air uh, airport and they flew me to Rochester where I was quickly admitted and diagnosed with necrotizing fasciitis or flesh eating bacteria. They prepped me for surgery, started uh, giving me painkillers and soon I found myself in a wheelchair talking with the operating surgeon. Uh, he was discussing what was going to happen and trying to keep me uh, calm or something. I, it, I was under the influence of drugs, so I was not very lucid. I, however, do remember being jovial and a little cocky, <laughs> uh, which, which, uh, which kind of threw him off a bit. I, I think he was more used to patients being scared, weepy, more concerned for their lives. And I was basically doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies, <laughs> where he was drugged and he was telling the, uh, the, uh, the bad guys how he was gonna kill them. Oh. I, I was like, yeah, let's go, let's do this. So I was basically like a drunken Charles Xavier. Um, <laughs> so that was the last thing I remember for the next five days. They had put me in a coma and you know, an induced coma where they uh, performed the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth of many surgeries. Really? Uh, they basically had to flay me like a fish. They removed all the infected skin, which ranged from the back of my right hand all the way through my arm, shoulder, chest, and back. I basically look like a, a, a discount Deadpool now. Um, they also were going to take my right arm. The infection had gone so deep into my hand that they were sure that I would need to have it amputated. However, the attending occupational therapist 
saw that I still had hand function. So what they did was they extracted a 15 inch by four inch flap of skin from my left thigh and placed it on my right hand. And so since it's my thigh on my hand, I call it my fan. <laughs> what a good attitude a, you have, Chris. I have a copyright pending on it. Thank you. Um, however, when they took the flap of skin off out of my thigh, I have, I'm a runner. So I have big thighs and a soccer, former soccer player. So I have big thighs. The wound was so big that they couldn't naturally close it. Hmm. So they, they removed the vastus lateralis out of my left thigh, which is that outward muscle in the quad grouping of your thigh. So instead of a quad, I now have a tri. And they also installed two knobs, one on each side of the wound, and a Jacob, Jacob's ladder, which is like, a sh like a shoelaces um, inside my thigh. And they tightened it up over time so the wound could close. So basically, I look like a Frankenstein's monster uh, zombie mashup. <laughs> You've been through a lot. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite the story. And to think all this started because you scraped your arm on the garage. Yeah, and it turns out that it, um, it was uh, a form of group A strep. Oh, called okay. Streptococcus, streptococcus pyrogenes. Okay, I was going to ask had, about that. Yeah, we had strep in the family. Um, and so that's what happened. Um, yeah, it doesn't usually happen with runners or other healthy people. Usually those with immunodeficiency syndromes or situations, uh, people with diabetes. Chronic conditions. Um, yes, yes. Whether uh, their immune system is compromised. Um, usually uh, attract it, but I was one of those lucky few. Yeah, I saw some photos that you had up on online and uh, when your arm was, you know, when you said three times as big as the other one, I could see the photos. It, was, it looks painful. You know, at the time it wasn't, it was tender, but it mm. wasn't painful. And I've talked with other survivors of NF and they would describe this horrendous, excruciating pain. And it felt like a bruise. Hmm. It was, you know, it was it was tender, but it, it wasn't that painful. Uh, I was very lethargic though mm. when I had. Was it, it. So, numb? Sorry, I'm just interested. Was it numb because it was so swollen? No. No. No, it, it wasn't numb. I just, I, and I can move it. It was just, just a little tender to the touch. At least my skin was. Well, I'm glad they were able to do all those things for you, especially after yes, giving you that you. kind of diagnosis, right? Yeah, exactly. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you sound like you have a good attitude. Well, see, that's the that's the reason why I'm here. Yes. Um, thank after after I woke from the coma, um, I was inundated by messages online. Uh, from family, friends, colleagues, even complete strangers. My wife has a friend who started a GoFundMe account uh, to help our family out. As it turned out, I ran out of sick days from school and the GoFundMe account more than made up the difference. Oh, that's um, great. Because I, I ended up missing a, an entire quarter of school. Like, like the whole last quarter of that school year, I was in the hospital. 
So, you know, with all these, and uh, we even had people stopping by my in-laws house to drop off food and toys for the kids. Oh, that's so kind. Too many toys. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that out of uh, <laughs> Their you know, lack of appreciation, there. but a lot of toys. Yeah. But did it drive you crazy? I, not, well, I was I was in another place, so I didn't have to worry about them too much. <laughs> but you know, when I started thinking about all those different things that were happening and to us and people, what people are doing for us, I had two choices to make. I could either look at myself and think, why me? And become depressed and angry and morose. Or I could look at all that we were blessed with. You know, I still, I obviously I still have my health. Uh, even though it was, it took a knock, I'm still, I'm gonna, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to be able to recover. My family, my faith, my friends, my job, my house and the kindness of complete strangers, that if I were to take that, that road of anger and depression, that would be an entire slap to the face of everyone who stepped up to bat for us. That's an interesting way to look at it. I like that. Thanks. And so I developed what, what I call the attitude of gratitude. Um, you know, because... I felt that God gave me a second chance. I'm going to take it and not only do as much as I can with it personally, but try to help others benefit as well so they can have a positive outlook and leave and lead positive lives without scratching their hand on the wall, developing necrotizing fasciitis, almost being killed by an evil bug and spending 65 days in the hospital. Hmm. It's not fun. No. Can I ask a question? No. Was it? <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Was it natural for you to go from, like, did you go right into being grateful or were there steps? Like, was it natural for you, obviously, to say, why me first? Or did you even, because most people would do that and then eventually get to gratitude. Like, how does it, how did it work for you? Because you sound no. like you have a very positive outlook, right? So I'm wondering. Yeah if even people who have positive outlooks have to consciously and mindfully change the way that they think, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I really don't remember a time when I was crying and, and screaming, what, you know, woe mm. is me. Why did this happen to me? I, you know, once I was talking with my uh, wife and my, my brother, my brother even flew in from Michigan to help the family out for that first week. And actually he and his family came back uh, toward the end of my hospital stay. Um, and my father-in-law also was there. I was talking with nice. them. And yes, and it was also immediate that mm. I was grateful for everything that I had. And I, 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 I was not really aware that I uh, should have, I could have taken that, that side of anger. When, you know, when I say I had two choices, it was in hindsight mm -hmm, that I mm -hmm. thought, well, I could have chosen to do this, but it wasn't even a thought. I okay. was automatically, awesome. you know what, let's 
let's do this. Let's take let's let's do what we can with it. Let's take uh, take these cards and play cards and play them. Mm. Yeah, when you're that close to to a traumatic event. I guess the minute you start to get better, it's just like, oh, I got to think, po-. you know, you just automatically get into that positiveness, right? Yeah. Like you said, and- there's no time to really, you know, think of all of the what if, what if, what if. So that's fantastic. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm a very goal oriented person. And so having the goal of recovering also helped me develop that positive outlook because you can't you can't develop you can't uh, attain positive things by being negative. With necrotizing fasciitis, where does it leave you after that? Like once they did all the surgeries and you started to heal, like what was expected? Like how did your body recover? What happened after that? Well, they had initially given me a prognosis of being able to feed myself. Hmm. That was basically it. That's that's what the doctors had said. And I really didn't investigate further into why that was what they had said. But my, as my wife said, I would I, I would have if they had told me that, and she told me that in hindsight, if they would have told me that outright, I would have been mad. Not the exact word she used, mm, but yes. Uh, you know, because I am not a sedentary person. I am very active. I'm very, like I said, I'm very goal oriented and very competitive. Uh, and so I started working towards getting back, not only, not only getting back to where I was, but trying to be better. Mm. Um, and to give you a point of a, a, a point of reference as to where I had come from, the week before I was admitted into the hospital, I had run a Pi Day race, which is a race that is held on or around March 14th. For all those Pi nerds out there, you know, Pi is 3.14, roughly. And so a Pi Day race is 3.14 miles, three and 1400 miles. And I had run that race in less than 19 and a half minutes, which is a low six minute pace. When you go from doing that to having a first goal of walking to the nurse's station and back to your room, which is 10 feet, because my room was directly across the hallway from the nurse's station. Yes. When you go from running to struggling to walk 10 feet, again, you can choose to either be upset and depressed and angry, or you could suck it up and say, you know what? This is my new reality. Mm. This is my new goal. Let's get it. Wow. You and really so had to I... push the limits. Like you had to really, yeah, that sounds incredible. See, the reason why I was asking, yeah, the reason why I was asking was because if we don't know what the condition is and it was just affecting your arm, that's why I just wanted to be clear that it affected your whole body. It's not just affecting the place that you had the surgeries on, right? into your well, back the well, well the uh the infection yes. affected my body okay. and effect infected my arm shoulder chest and back okay and as well as my leg because i have a huge gaping hole in my leg yes yes but i had been bedridden for two or three weeks so my muscles had atrophied and and i work out daily I, at least six days a week 
And so to go from that level of fitness to being totally sedentary. I can't imagine. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite, quite a shock to my system. Oh yeah, for sure. So how, so, um, how long did it take you to be able to learn to walk again? Well, I first needed a, uh, a large walker and, uh, and not only like the ones you see, uh, those, uh, of advanced age using, mm-hmm. but I needed basically, basically like a podium on wheels. I've seen those. Like, and not, not just a podium on wheels, like a podium with big wheels Rollers, that were yeah. expressed, expressly used for transportation, for mobility, because my cast, I had a cast in my arm that weighed like 10 pounds. Oh, wow. And so I had to lug that thing around. And I also had my, I, my IVs mm-hmm. and I had a pick line. Um, I had never known the beauty slash horror of a pick line until that time. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so, and I say beauty slash horror because once you have a, you know, you know, it, it's, it's hard to have that thing attached to you, but when you have IVs going in and out of you, you know, for weeks, mm. now, you know, the beauty of not having to have a new hole picked every time oh. is tremendous. I can imagine. Yeah. So I'm, so I have my arm on the podium. I have my right arm on the podium. My left arm is holding this, um, IV stand and I'm shuffling like an old man, uh, you know, up and down the hallway. It must've been painful. Well, I had good drugs. Mm, Yeah. So initially it wasn't painful. It was exhausting, (laughs) uh, but not painful at first. Um, but you know, it was, it it definitely, you know, it, it was a shift. And I just had to mentally wrap my set around, okay, this is my new goal. And so I did. Yeah. So it sounds like the way you thought about the situation and what had happened to you was what got you through too. having that gratitude and having that to force yourself for each step and every day, getting up and trying again, trying again, and, and being sore from lying down all those times, you know, for that whole time, that takes a big toll. So I understand you've come a long way. Yes. As I said, I'm a very goal oriented person and I'm not, I'm not happy with just surviving. I, I, I like to pride myself as a thriver and, and, and I like to achieve accomplishments. And so, uh, since my discharge from the hospital, I have set or tied four uh, personal records or PRs in running. Uh, in the 5K, the 10K, the 10 mile and a half marathon. And just recently, I received word that I achieved my uh, recommended black belt. That's um, incredible. It's, thank you. Thank you. In, <laughs> in Taekwondo. And it's called, it's called recommended black belt because the black belt test is so extensive that my master broke up into two parts. Okay. And uh, my, my son and I, well, uh, to back up a little bit, the fall following my hospitalization, so in fall 2015, my older son, Josh, joined Taekwondo. Hmm. I had been in Taekwondo when I was younger, but I was stupid and I quit. 
before I got my, I received my black belt or I earned my black belt. You don't, they don't give those away. No. <laughs> and so I, I, I told myself and I, I kept, and I kept this the secret that if he were to stay in it for a year, that I would ask him if I could join him and achieve so we can achieve our black belts together. Oh. And as it turns out, he stayed in it for a year and I asked him and he, he said, yes. So I joined with him. And so uh, we have been working on it all, all since that time. And the one kick that was keeping us from our recommended black belts at the time was a slow motion front kick. His is the left, mine is the right. When you are 46 years old and you are a runner, your hip flexors are not very flexy. So uh, I, I, I thank the pandemic for closing off all the different running races that I would usually do so I could concentrate on my flexibility. Because like I said, I'm a goal-oriented person. I like challenging myself. And not having all those races to, you know, to uh, get me to, you know, to train for allowed me to work on my flexibility. Um, and so now we have a new set of criteria to train for to get our actual black belts. But like I said, um, this is something I've wanted for a long time. And so I'm going to achieve it. Oh, you must be so proud of yourself. You know, I, I don't, I, I am proud of how, how far I've come so far, but I also don't want to lose sight that it's a team effort. Um, you know, when you were talking about how, uh, how exhausting, how tiring it was for me, all, all during that time, my wife was handling three kids and her full-time job as a teacher by herself. You know, she was now a single parent, essentially. Running the house, taking care of kids, taking, taking care of her students. All I was doing was laying in a bed and drinking protein shakes. I'm sure she was very worried about you, too. So that takes a lot oh, of toll, she, right? She was. Yeah, she <laughs> yes. was. But, I, you know, I figured, you know what? The least I could do here is survive and, you know, work, you know, work as hard as I can to to heal and get discharged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, I, I felt that I, and I feel that my recovery and my goal is not just me doing this, but I represent a team of people who helped me get to this point. And I really do believe that your attitude of gratitude from what you're explaining to me is what got you through. Yes, the doctors did. And yes, all the medical, you know, advances and, and the rest and all those things. But I think you, it could have ended differently. You know, you could have healed from all of the medical stuff and still have been, you know, like, what's the point in going home after and not being able to function, even though your body is healthy, if your mind is, is not, and, mm -hmm. and you get yourself into, unfortunately, some people don't have a choice. They just, it just happens, you know? Um, and they suffer from depression, but if you can try, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking I could see you like once you've been discharged, things could have been so much different, 
you know, you wouldn't have perhaps continued with with getting your your black belt and you wouldn't perhaps have continued, you know, moving forward. So that attitude that you have is really, really great. No, thank you. I appreciate that. It's not a tough thing to keep when you're, you know, like we make it sound easy, but sometimes it is hard to have to have that attitude 24 seven, you know, is there anything yes. that you could maybe any hints that you could maybe give somebody who's struggling with, with finding gratitude in their life? Well, the, the first step that really helped me um, cultivate the attitude of gratitude. I mean, I've been a person who was grateful for things all his life, but in lying in the hospital, Yes, I was grateful for my increasing health and my family and my faith and my friends and my job and the complete strangers who donated. But it was the small things that really helped me take those steps forward. Because it's easy to look to overlook those, to take those for granted. But I started thinking of all the great things I had going on in my life that were seemingly insignificant. For example, um, as you as you may have guessed, I'm a huge geek based on my uh, nerd references, you know, to the Hulk. Um, I love geeks, I, don't worry about it. Yes, I love the first season of Daredevil. That had just been released when I was in the hospital and my brother was kind enough to buy me an iPad because my laptop for school was too, too bulky and too heavy to have on my lap. And so I binge watched Daredevil. I binge watched The Flash. I binge watched um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all those other geeky shows and, and movies as well. And so I was thankful for those. Help movies. pass the time. Yes. Um, I, was, I was thankful for the fact that, you know, during the day, the, the sun never shone in my eyes you know, directly. And when you're immobilized in a hospital bed, there isn't a lot of wiggle room, literally and figuratively. You know, I was thankful for the protein shakes that I was ingesting to help me heal. Uh, side note, there is a thing, such a, such a thing as too many protein shakes. <laughs> um, but, you know, for the most part, I do, I do appreciate, I did appreciate them. Um, you know, the hospital also had amazing pizza. You know, you want to think of that, but man, they, they hit the ingredients right on the And when you're there for over two months, when you're there for over two months, any little thing, you know? Exactly. And so, you know, find a way to find the positivity in your life and in the small things. And just think about the things that you like, you know, if, if you like coffee, be grateful that you have your coffee. Um, if you know, if you like the feel of your shoes, be grateful for the feel of your shoes. I think we tend to minimalize the all the different good things we have in our lives. Uh, yeah, I was uh, talking with some people yesterday about the fact that more, the vast majority of us are able to take a shower with clean water every day. Yes. You know, and we can drink clean water for our, our bodies. And we have access to the internet. You know, you know, that, that also even, offers its good and bad things. But you know, even, you know, 
we don't even think anything of it. We just get up, turn on yes. the tap, go and yes, yeah. You know, and and so by taking account of all the small things in your life that you like, you're gonna find that you have a lot to be grateful for, and there are a lot of positives in your life. Sadly, though, it's not until we lose some of those things that we see how much they mean to us. And you mm. know, like we went um, we went to Guatemala back in March, and I remember getting back to the city, and my son was like, "Oh, air conditioning." Like never appreciated air conditioning, you know, yes. little things, right? Oh, I can have this again to, you know, because you go to different countries, have different food, right? And just appreciate that, you know, just be able to go to the fridge, open it and there's food in it, mm -hmm. you know, just. And then you have a fridge. Yes. And a stove. Yes. And I don't have to walk for five hours to get water. Like, but you don't really think about it until you hit that spot i remember i tore my acl i had a complete tear of my acl mm, and i i was getting off a boat it was the silliest thing out in the uh, east coast in canada and i was coming home and uh i said oh if i could just walk properly again and it was just a torn acl that's it mm. and i said i would walk and walk and walk and get it strengthened and strengthened and you know it improved without surgery i didn't get surgery but then couple of weeks later I felt fine and did I go and start walking and take care of myself no but in that moment in that mm. moment I was like oh if I could just do what I can't do right now and then yes. I don't know you just forget sometimes you know mm -hmm. so it's important to keep that in mind and, and just remember not let the moment pass exactly I like what you said about um, be grateful for the small things because the small things are feasible when you're in a place of um, struggle, I guess, you know, it keeps you moving forward, right? And somebody yes. taught me that you can't step back, take a step back and take a step forward at the same time. So the small steps are so important in so many things. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, how are there other ways that you practice gratitude in your life? Do you do mindfulness? Because I know when you said about feeling your feet in your shoes, that just reminded me about being mindful. And do you practice that as well? You know, I do. Uh, and, you know, I, I take stock in how I'm feeling, you know, as a runner, you, you know, I, I constantly am evaluating and assessing how my body is working when it's running you know if uh, a certain part of my body is being uh overworked or you know am, do i have a deficiency in an area um and so i'm always you know mindful of that but i'm also mindful of how i'm talking with people and being able to acknowledge my appreciation of people is also huge because you know, we could easily go to the store, buy our, buy our stuff, or go to the restaurant and order our food outside, of course. Let's be smart, people. <laughs> and overlook the person who's serving us. Yes. But, you know, letting that person know that you appreciate that they are there to help you, that they are there to serve you. And yes, they are getting paid for it, but they could also be doing a lackluster job. But for the most part, they're just doing their best. And by 
showing them appreciation for their work or for their assistance not only will possibly brighten their day, mm -hmm. but also helps you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many studies that show that the practice of gratitude is not only helpful psychologically, but also physically. In fact, there's a uh, 2006 study where the, um, gratitude was shown to uh, delay the uh, effects of PTSD on Vietnam veterans. Really? It's interesting. Yes. And so, you know, acknowledging the appreciated is also a, a, big, uh, a big practice of mine because we, you know, if you overlook how, how much people help you, then you really are missing out on the opportunity to be a, a better human. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's just I'm thinking of that person, like you're saying, you're going out for dinner, and I'm thinking of that person that's serving us. And you don't know what what they're going through. You don't know if this is their third job that day, and they're trying to put food on the table. You don't know if they're trying to pay for somebody's medical bills. You don't know if um, they're just having a really bad day and the last three people, you know, have sent their stuff back and it's not their fault and, and haven't paid mm -hmm. for their meal or whatever. You just don't know. Right. And I do exactly. agree with you that if you just take the second to look them in the eye, you know, sometimes people are, are, are ordering and they're just kind of got their menu in front and they don't even look up. They're like, well, I want this, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But if you take a moment to look up and you look at that person in the eye, you'll actually get a smile. You'll get some of that personality. You'll get some human connection. And you might even start talking about something else or you'll find that, wow, I'm a lot more like this person than, than I thought walking in. And this person could yes. go to the next table thinking, well, my day wasn't so monotonous. It wasn't so scheduled, like something different happened, or it's just like a break in their day, make their day a little bit more, you know, more. And then they'll in turn be nicer to the next person. Like it's just, it's a ripple effect. Right. And I yes. do agree with you that we always get more. We receive more than what we give all the time. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love your attitude. I hope it's going to rub off on me because you know, I must admit, I'm not like, I'm not like you. I'm not, I am not, um, it doesn't come naturally to me. I have, I'm learning how to be, I'm grateful for things, but mm -hmm. I might've been that person that would first be why me and then change, you mm -hmm. know, or at least I used to be, I'm getting better. Um, it's just more of a natural place. It's what I'm used to, but I'm trying to change the way that I'm thinking. So that's really great that you've been able to do that. You know, I don't I have a challenge for you, Nelia. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I have a challenge. No, for it's okay. For the next week, mm -hmm. I want you to write down a minimum mm -hmm. of three things that you like or appreciate. Mm -hmm. And they can't be the same thing. They have to be different things. Okay. So you could just you could just use a piece of paper and jot or you know type on a, a word processor. You know, jump on Microsoft Word, and every day just write down three things that you like. And, and you know, I would I would try to keep them smallish things. It's easy to say I love my house. You mm. know, I'm thankful for my house. My, you know, whatever. But look for the small things, and just see how you feel after, you know, a couple days or after that week. 
and see if your 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 mindset or your outlook changes. Because mm-hmm. I used to do, like I've done that for a little while, but I didn't stick with it, you know. And I know mm-hmm. that I'm grateful for a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's an automatic habit to go back into that, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of, yeah. But it's not as easy, but it it really works. Let's yes. put it that way. It makes a huge difference. And going yes. to a developed country really changed that for me. I think oh, it should sure. be mandatory for everyone. Because you know, I, I, you know, but until you actually go and see it for yourself, you know, and it, yeah. I, I really think that everyone should travel. You know, while... Uh, and while, not just resorts, uh, like travel. No, no, no. yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know? travel, learn about other people, mm-hmm. you know, because some of my greatest experiences have been from traveling. Absolutely. And and so, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, you know, it doesn't even have to be to another country. It could be another region of the United States. Mm-hmm. And just getting to know areas and people that, you know, to which you're not familiar will help you not only appreciate what you have, but also will open your eyes to empathy. Mm, Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I I have to say that is one thing I think I'm good at is the empathy part, but not, I have to practice with the gratitude. (laughs) Well, I will, I'll keep messaging you (laughs) and uh, see how you're doing. That sounds great. We can help each other. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. I hope all the best for you and you know you sound like you're you're keeping fit and you're like you push the limits and you're you're going so far. What's next for you, Chris? Well, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to uh, keep working uh, towards my actual black belt and uh, I have a long-term goal of uh, qualifying for the Boston Marathon. The marathon has always been a sore spot in running for me physically and uh, literally and figuratively um and you know while my marathon times have for the most part been okay you know based on other runners when you compare them to my other distances they are they are lacking and so uh, i have a goal of uh within the next 10 years of being able to qualify for boston and so i'm working on that uh but i'm uh connecting with people to uh, uh, secure speaking engagements, either in person or online. I'm working on a program uh, based on the attitude of gratitude and just getting ready for another school year of, of teaching special education online. That's great. Cause I think people need to hear your inspiring story and uh, you know, it'll help them. It'll help them overcome, you know, medical challenges, physical challenges, mental challenges, so I really appreciate you coming on and helping us and, and showing us that it can be done. And I'm so ha- happy that you're healthy. No more necrotiting fasciitis. <laughs> so... No, they, they, they were, were able to remove it. If, if I still had it after five years, you oh, would not be talking to me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so great that everything is, is well in that respect. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time and the opportunity to talk with you, Noah. Oh, no problem. We'll keep in touch for sure. You're going to you're going to keep asking me about, you know, make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm making a <laughs> note right now. Accountability for sure. Yes, I love it. Message Noah. But thank you, Chris. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.